Thank you for listening to the Firelife Church Podcast. For more information on Firelife Church in Irving, Texas, please visit wearefirelife.org. We pray the Lord blesses you greatly through this message. We got a great opportunity today to hear from Hank. Hank, you come on up. I'm, give, I'm trying to give you as much time. Hank, Hank, Hank. What's up, what's up, what's up? I just, quick word. I love this man. I really do. He's a, he's a, I'm not just saying this. You're a good man. You have a good heart and he puts his head at a target and he just goes for it. And so I think he's going to talk about some of that today, but would you just stretch your hand out toward, we just bless Hank with a double portion of any anointing he has on his life. Father, we ask for it. We ask for a double portion, God, of the anointing that you've already placed there. Pour gasoline on the fire of his heart. God, I ask that when he, when he speaks, he says your words and that miracles and signs and wonders confirm what he says, Lord, because he's saying your words. Double portion of fruit in his life, God. Ooh. And we bless Hank as a good man. We honor a prophet in the name of a prophet. We get a prophet's reward. We honor a righteous man in the name of a righteous man. We get the righteous man's reward. Hank is a righteous prophet. So we get a righteous reward. Come on, and a prophetic reward in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, sir. Thanks, man. Seriously, thank you. That's good stuff. Thank you. And my prayer is that as I talk really fast, you guys listen better. That's kind of it. Like you guys listen faster. I, I get, when I get excited sometimes, I start talking real fast. And uh, I, uh, I'm just playing. I'm just playing. Um, Okay, so uh, I've got notes for this one. I love notes. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a teacher. Um, uh, I was a teacher 15 years for, as a profession, but the Lord, I don't know, I love the idea of notes. So I'm gonna pass these out, and they're not normal. So I, uh, if, if you're a linear thinker, this might be hard for you. Uh, uh, but, um, uh, and, um, and I hope there's enough for everybody. And... Um, just kind of kind of follow along here. I, I just kind of as I get started here, I, I just kind of random my uh, my son Sammy's on a baseball team, and initially they were going to pick the the Royals, the, the Kansas City Royals, and, uh, and I was like, okay, cool, that's fun. Um, my my buddy, the coach, liked Bo Jackson, and and I'm on, I'm an assistant coach on the team, and um, and he just texted me a minute ago. I was like, no, we're, my, his son said I want to be the Padres. I was like, okay, cool, Royal priesthood, eh? make the connection. It's baseball. God is in baseball. Um, no, that's, that's a terrible joke. Okay, um, uh, so let's get started here. Um, I, this, is, this is called Pick Up the Plumb Line, um, and I'm really not going to talk much about the plumb line until the end, so it won't make sense until we get there. Um, if you... Um, uh, uh, I mean, the, the scripture I'm hitting hard on is going to be, well, be Zechariah 4, but I'll do a little bit of a jump around. Uh, but what I want to do is invite you guys into a little bit of my process that happened several years ago. Um, and I, uh, I asked, I, and I encourage you to do this, but you may get an answer from the Lord that may challenge you, right? So I asked the Lord, Lord, what's my life vision? And I, I don't, I, I, the way the Lord talks to me a lot of times is pictures. I was looking for a pictures, but I got a verse. And, and I was like, okay. Then usually that's one of those, like, I mean, either totally wrong or it, it's just like, whoa, I heard from the God. <laughs> you know, I, heard a, I heard a Bible verse. And the Bible verse he told me, and I didn't have a context for it. It just was Psalm 132. 
I was like, okay, cool. I like, I mean, the Psalms, you really can't go wrong. Sometimes you can go really wrong with Psalms, but like with, as far as like that, you're like, you know, curse your enemies. You know, I'm like, no, 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 no. Um, uh, but this one was Psalm 132. This is the uh, Davidic vow. Um, this is when, when David, uh, he vowed to the Lord. And I've kind of paraphrased, uh, I did kind of a Hank version of it right here. Basically, he says, I'm not going to sleep. I'm not going to rest until I find a place or a dwelling for the mighty one of Jacob. And uh, I, I mean, I won't go, like Jared mentioned this before. I won't go into a whole, whole lot of detail. But like he, he, he had built this massive temple, or excuse me, palace. And God was in a tent. God was in the little tabernacle and, and he wanted to build a magnific- magnificent uh, uh, temple for the Lord. And the Lord just actually tells him, hey, you can collect all the stuff for it, uh, but you're not going to uh, build it. Your son's going to build it. And, and so he did as much as he possibly, like every ounce of his being did that. And it was pretty, very impressive. And so I'm looking at this calling. I'm like, it's great. And, and sadly, I'm going to say, there was about a year or so or two, I forgot about that. Like I asked for the vision, like, okay. And like, like it was so lofty that I was like, okay, cool. Maybe it'll come back. You know, I, actually, I didn't think that. I just, I just sort of forgot about it. And I started asking the Lord again a couple of years later, like, what is my vision? I was like, I started losing vision, clearly, right? If you don't focus on your vision, you're going to lose the vision. That's just how it works, right? And he said, I've already told you. I'm like, you did. And so um, this is also the way I journal. So like I go back in my journals and I look for, you know, whatever, like picture or whatever. And I had, I had highlighted it like crazy. This is your vision. I was like, oh, okay, cool. To build, or excuse me, to, to find God a place, to find God a dwelling. And it was in seed form. I mean, you plant a seed, you don't have a clue it's there, right? Uh, and it's been growing. This is what's been cool. It's like, ah, okay, I'm getting a little bit of grasp on this. Um, I mean, a tiny bit, you know. I, I still really like to sleep. And, but, but during the daytime, I want to find God a place. I want to find him a dwelling. But like, we'll get to the point where I'm like, I'd, you, know, you know, get my eyes open, drink more coffee, and, and try to find God a place or a, and a dwelling. Um, and and I just this morning, I was like, it's kind of a real estate agent. If you think about it, David was a real estate agent. He was like, I'm going to find God a place to stay. And I was like, okay, cool. And so let's look real quick here. So we're going to go to the left of the temple. And um, I've had to do, it's just been a fun study in this. I really had a, a good time doing this. And so uh, looking at all the connections of how God dwelled in a location, Right, so God does that, right? So we, we, we do have this, God is omniscient and he's everywhere. Um, uh, omnipresent, excuse me, I get those mixed up. Uh, he's all knowing, he, he's every, but he's also everywhere, but he does show up in specific locations, right? So if you've ever felt his presence, he showed up in a location, that was you, right? Um, sometimes you go through a spot and you just feel God, you're like, whoa, something different about this place. You're like, okay, so he does have these like, I hate to describe it like, Warm pockets in a lake, you know, you're like, I'm in a cold spot. Oh, warm spot, you know, like, oh, cold spot. That's kind of it. The Lord, he has pockets where he is more intensified than others. Like, I mean, so what we have is the temple. Um, so just a quick list of the places in the Old Testament, the real estate that God used um, uh, for his dwellings, right? So this is, we're like, we're doing Zillow now. We're looking at the locations God has lived all right, so first we have the tent or the tabernacle of Moses. And I do want to add that our church was once called the tabernacle, right? And so they're like, okay, there's some cool connections here. So the tent of Moses, very meek, honestly, for the presence of God to exist. You have this little tent, but then you have this 
billowing fire coming above it, or you have this massive uh, plume of smoke coming from it, and like you, it was holy. It was holy. It was amazing, right? So I mean, um, and then you have David comes along, and uh, he actually does something quite extraordinary. Is he takes the Ark of the Covenant and in a way separates it from the tent of Moses. Uh, it was about one mile away. And so the tent of Moses is where all the sacrifices happened. Uh, but David moves it about a mile away, actually into Jerusalem. Um, and I want to say Gilead was where the tent of Moses was. Okay. So now if you know the, if you read the Old Testament, I'm thinking that's dangerous. People, I mean, like if you touch the, the Ark of the Covenant wrong, you're dead. And so David takes an entire nation and makes a place of prayer and worship. He surrounds it, not with, you know, necessarily, uh, 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 well, he, he surrounds it with people. He surrounds it with worship. And they do nonstop worship and prayer. And he takes the, all the resources, all the people of a nation. And you're like, how cool is that? And the, one of the most amazing things about that is in the New Testament, uh, Luke 18, I believe, uh, they say that it says it's going to restore the tent of David. So like, if you ever want to look at the, the, uh, the temple of God one day, it's coming back. Uh, it, it, it'll look different. I'm sure it'll look different, but that style of worship, that, I don't know, um, uh, I've heard, I've, I used to be part of a, a 24-7 prayer like movement and, uh, and there was, uh, they, they went for it. They would pray nonstop, day and night. And, uh, a lot of people, they got a lot of flack for that. It's like, why, why do you need to pray so much, you know? And uh, the answer that I often heard was, he's worth it. Yeah. It was like, that's pretty, yeah, and he is, isn't he? Yeah. And, and they would go on to say, like, Satan gets worshipped 24-7 as well, too. Why shouldn't our God, you know? And it was just cool. That's, that's the tent of David, okay? And then you have the temple of Solomon. And so, again, all these resources, uh, this thing, I don't know how far you could have seen this thing, but it glistened with gold and had a beauty that you probably, I mean, it's just an absolutely incredible structure. God shows up. He fills that room. Um, and then um, we have the Babylonian captivity. Okay, so um, Israel gets in trouble. They get sent out of, Bab out of Jerusalem, out of Israel, into Babylon, and they're stuck there for 70 years. Okay, they were punished. Okay, and then they get, were given permission to go back, and uh, I call this the Temple of Zerubbabel. Some people call it the Second Temple, um, and that is, um, it was not as pretty as the Solomon Temple. Uh, it was, um, it wasn't. It was wasn't as pretty, but but they came back. Okay, so and we will talk about that in a minute as well too. Oh, well, then, I'm sorry. Let's say that um, I did write in there. Herod did a fixer upper. King Herod the Great, um, around Jesus' time, did a fixer up on the temple, sort of added to it. It actually was twice the size of Solomon's temple, um, but didn't have all the bling, right? It didn't have all the stuff. It also didn't have the Ark of the Covenant. I mean, you're kind of, you're kind of missing something there, right? Um, but that is actually the temple that Jesus steps foot into, the, the, the Zerubbabel slash Herod temple, the one that Jesus actually stepped foot into. Um, it took them, some people think that Jesus actually was part of that, like actually physically building that temple. Um, he was a, a carpenter. Some say he was a stonemason, stoneworker, right? So people think that he actually 
was a part of helping build that temple. Um, kind of sad though, they, that temple, when it was finally finished, it was still being built during Jesus's time. So I think around 63 AD, they finally finished it. And I don't know if you know what happened in 70 AD, it all got destroyed. So like we built it, ah, boom, destroyed. You're like, okay, it's gone. Okay. All right. So that's the Old Testament temple. That's the real estate of God on the Old Testament, right? So now the arrow pointing over to that person and Jesus shows up, right? Um, and an amazing thing about this. So when Jesus goes to the temple, he does, he, like he rips hard into uh, the Pharisees. Like he, like he says some things, you're like, whoa, that's, that's hardcore. But he never actually like, he, he told the, the, the people working in the temple, like, hey, you're making this a den of robbers, like the way you're using it, like the, but like the actual temple itself, he never actually like rebuked the temple. He actually says, my house will be called a house of prayer, my father's house, right? He actually enhances it. And it's like, okay, you, you kind of think that he'd be like, this is religious, you know, like, you know, it's a building, but he doesn't rebuke the building. It's kind of interesting, right? So Jesus shows up and what he does is he takes the real estate from one temple and shares it big time, right? And so there's actually three temples mentioned in the New Testament, okay? Jesus calls himself a temple, okay? Uh, I, you know, I will destroy this temple and in three days I will build it back, back up and then Jesus referring, he was the temple. So Jesus is a temple. In fact, if you go to the book of Revelation, um, they say there is no need for a temple because Jesus is the temple, okay, right? So there's, there's one. We have Jesus as the temple. Um, uh, and, then, and then you have... Uh, the next one, um, uh, 1 Corinthians 3.16 is, um, uh, this is Paul saying, don't you know that you're the temple individually, right? You are the temple. So we have the temple inside of us. We have the Holy Spirit inside of us. He dwells within us. Um, I feel like the Western church is, this is where we camp out, right? This is good. This is holy. This is really good. And I, I'm, what I'm trying to get into is, I don't want to talk bad about this, but we, as in our American culture, Western culture, we are really great with me, 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 individualism. I'm going to deal with the presence of God inside myself. That is good. That is holy. But we tend to do, I call this a sand, sand crab um, <laughs> analogy. If, you're, if you ever watch the sand crab, I love watching them because they come out and they go back in their holes. We, we have created a, a, a very suburbanized uh, uh, temple in a way. We have created a, uh, a yeah, like, like I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do my own personal quiet time. I'm going to do me. I'm going to get the presence of the Lord in me. We're getting this holy. This is all very, very good stuff. But what we, what we don't also, what we don't remember um, is the third real estate location of the Lord. It is corporate. It is the church is also the temple of the Lord, okay? Ephesians 2, uh, 21, it's 19 to 21 or so, it says uh, the whole building is being joined together and rises to become a holy temple of the Lord, okay? We're not used to this. Um, back then, they were very much a tribal people, right? For thousands of years, people were very tribal. So like the whole idea of being a community together, having an identity together actually it was very easy for a lot of people, but today, suburb America, we come out of our crab hole, you know, get some, you know, chips and salsa or something, right? And go back into our home and do our quiet times with the Lord, right? But I don't know. Um, Jesus even, I do know, actually, I'm sorry. Like, so, um, 
There is something about a corporate identity. And as I'm saying this, I want you to think, what's Firelife? Like, what's our corporate identity, right? So um, go to the book of Revelation. Uh, Revelation chapter two and three have, there's seven churches that Jesus talks about, and each one is a corporate identity, some good, some bad. They're kind of grouped together, right? Um, he, I mean, the, the uh, oh, it just went blank. Um, all the epistles are written to churches, right? Groups of people, okay? Um, Jesus even, he, he gives some, uh, we'll call it the woes. I don't, maybe they're curses, but like um, uh, Chorazin and Beth, Bethsaida, maybe saying it right, right? He says, woe to those cities that had miracles done in them. And so he's, he's talking to an entire city. Like, oh, that's not fair, but the Lord looks at corporate identity, he does. He does. And again, I, I feel like the American church, I feel like just us as a whole, we're not used to thinking of ourselves as, as one. Okay? So what is our identity as a church? You know, Jesus, he does say, he goes, my father's house will be a house of prayer for all nations, right? I love that because... He's, he's prophesying. He's prophesying. Like, at what point do we know when the church is actually, that's its identity? When, when the, the world's like, hey, I need a place of prayer. Like, like let's go to the house of prayer. Like, like, the identity of the church actually becomes a house of prayer for all nations. This is what it'll be called, right? Now it's just church or whatever the church name is or whatever that kind of stuff. But then like, well, there, there is going to be a movement of God that's gonna happen where we are known, the church is known as a house of prayer, Right? And that's a corporate identity, right? I, I often, like, it's, it's wild to, to learn that is very foreign to people, praying together. It's, 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 it's something like, again, we're really good at the individual one, the personal one. And like, I, I, I guarantee all you guys in here have a prayer life. That's just a good, and you're connecting with the Lord, right? But where are we at church in America as, as a house of prayer together corporately, right? Um, I, uh, initially this was meant to be unity in prayer and, um, uh, and it kind of morphed, it kept morphing. And, uh, what, what, what triggered this whole topic here was a, a, a friend of ours gave a prophetic word and she, she said, uh, I was talking about unity, unity and teamwork. I'm like, okay. I was like, I don't know. Like, yeah, what is our identity as a church, as a unity? And the very next day I went and watched a movie. Uh, it was, uh, boys on the boat fantastic movie. It's about um, a, a, an Olympic rowing team. Uh, they were like a JV college team that ended up going and defeating the Nazis in 1939, no, it was 1936, uh, the Olympics, right, against the Nazis. And they won. Like, they, they went in there and won, but it's awesome. But, like, the whole movie was about unity. It was really kind of cool. So they get on this boat, and these guys, just the, the tiniest of movement would shift the boat off or it wouldn't go as fast. And these guys, these these Depression-era young men who were just fighting to just get some food, you know, they would go to the, the college cafeteria just to get some food. These guys learned unity. And at the very end of the movie, the uh, the minister, oh, excuse me, the, the, the older, um, one of the men, the kids from the boat grew up older, was, you know, older, and he was telling his grandson, and his grandson was like, you know, hey, so what's it like to row with, you know, multiple, you know, a lot of people, and, and, and then his, his granddad, who was the winner of the, the gold medal winner of the Olympics, was, he's like, we weren't, 
a bunch of people. We were one. And, and it was like, you got, and it was one of those sports movies. You're like, yeah, you get chills, you know, going off your arms. Like it was, it was like, that's it, unity. Like what, do we, what would it look like if Fire Life Church were as one, right? If we begin to function together uh, and, and just in the direction that we're going. Um, and so what direction is Fire Life going? right? Where, where, where are we going, right? Well, how do we become one together? How, how do we get our corporate identity? And we, we post this all the time, and it sounds great, but where are we actually in it? Where is your personal connection to it? So we are a house of revival. We put it up here on the screen often. We are a house of revival. We're a house of prayer, and we're a transformations house, okay? Now, I want to encourage you guys, if you have no connection to that whatsoever, Start. Just feed yourself with it. Find somebody who has a little bit of one of those three and feed yourself. And I just had this picture in my head of like, yeah, I like the idea. And like, let's say we're all moving together in the same direction, but then all of a sudden you kind of wander off in the woods. And you're like, yeah, revival, transformation, you know, prayer. And you're like, where are you going? <laughs> you're kind of doing your own thing. Like, come back. There, again, there's a corporate identity that we can have uh, as we move together. Okay. Um, okay, so now let's jump over to Zechariah 4. This is where I'm going to invite you into the plumb line, okay? Picking up the plumb line. Okay, so I just told you about the Temple of Zerubbabel just a little bit ago. And uh, something about Zechariah, if you've never read the book of Zechariah, it is really cool. It's actually out of place in order, right? So often we'll read... Um, Nehemiah, where they build the walls around the temple, right? And they have that, that all, all the people get together. It's a great unity message of like they got together, they had swords on their sides and they were defending Jerusalem as they're building the temple. All these different people who had never probably built anything before are all together doing it, right? It's flipped, okay? Zechariah came first. Nehemiah came second. In fact, they are 70 years apart. Okay, so what happens is they're in exile Okay, and they get permission from King Cyrus, yeah, King Cyrus, to come back to Jerusalem. Like, hey, you're good to go. Awesome. Great. They come back, and the first thing that they do is build a temple in an age where the walls of a city is the glory of the city. Okay, so if you want to follow with me, so I'm going to go to Zechariah 4. I'm going to start reading out of this. Um, but real quick here, in chapter 2, there's a really cool thing where the angel of the Lord says to Zechariah, excuse me, it says, run, tell that young man, Jerusalem will be a city without walls because of the great number of men and livestock in it. And I myself will be a wall of fire around it, declares the Lord. Go into the city. And now we're saying there's gonna be a wall of fire around Jerusalem. Again, your, your walls were your protection. Well, there's a huge faith step right there, right? It's like, okay, that's crazy. And then um, it goes on, it encourages, in chapter three, it encourages, um, actually, this is really kind of fun. I just, I want to read this though. Um, another angel um, uh, showed Joshua, he was the high priest at the time, um, and uh, said, Satan standing, uh, the Lord and Satan were standing right there, uh, that Satan was there to accuse him, and the Lord said to Satan, the Lord rebuke you. I want to watch that one. <laughs> or God, the Lord rebuke you. Like, whoa, no, get out of here. Okay, so we have this protection of the Lord and of, of building, um, well, the house of prayer, 
the house of worship, prayer and worship is happening here. Like that's what they built first, okay? So let's go. Um, all right, so I'm gonna jump down to Zechariah 4, starting in verse six. Here we go. He says, so he said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Now Zerubbabel was the governor of the area, okay? He's kind of in charge, but probably not a builder, right? He's been stuck in Babylon, right? He was a, uh, well, actually, if you, <laughs> well, we'll keep going here. Okay, so this is the word of the Lord to the Zerubbabel. Not by might, nor by my power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Says the Lord Almighty, excuse me. Okay, we often use this as the, you know, uh, as, for a lot of things, right? We, we grab that and we're like, yes, yes, yes. But in context, this is about the place of prayer and worship. Okay, they're building the place of prayer and worship, the temple. They're building the place where they worship. I just want to keep on repeating that. But he said, this is not going to be, be by human hands, not by might, the, the might of men, okay? Not by the power of men, not by the uh, politics of men. And this is going to be by the spirit of God to build the place of prayer and worship. Pretty encouraging, right? Coming out of Babylon, horrible place, and you have been punished for 70 years, and you're like, oh, okay. How are we going to do this? But also, the temple, the Solomon Temple, looked like a bombed-out house from World War II, right? Or whatever. Yeah, I think I think you know Syria and and all these places that have massive wars. Think of a bombed-out building with all the bricks all over the place, all the stones all over the place, and they're just staring at it. Okay, where do we start? What do we do? And. Now we have the word of the Lord shows up. And I feel like this is kind of a word of the Lord moment. I was just well too. Like this has been stirring in me. I was like, this is a word of the Lord moment. Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Verse seven. What are you, O mighty mountain before Zerubbabel? You'll become a level ground. Then he will bring about the capstone, so the top, the very last stone, to shouts of God bless it, God bless it. Other versions say grace, grace. That just the, the grace of God, the grace of God. They put that last stone on it and that, there's this like, just eruption. I just think of an entire nation erupting and like just yelling out, God bless it, God or grace, grace. Just, I mean, you can feel the waves of heaven behind them. They're like, yeah, you know, just an, an invasion almost. Okay. Um, here we have it. Number nine, then the word of the Lord came to me. The hand of Zerubbabel, uh, the hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this temple, and his hands will also complete it. Then you will know that the Lord Almighty has sent him. So they're saying Zerubbabel's going to start this thing and finish. This isn't going to be a generational thing. This is one, one group of people. Okay, Number, uh, verse ten: Who despises the days of small beginnings, or who despises the days of small things? Men will rejoice when they see the plumb line in the hand of Zerubbabel. And I'm going to stop there real quick. They're staring at a at a, a pile of rubble. Um, I think about the American church today. Well, let's go back to Ephesians. It talked about living stones, right? We are, as a church, have sort of become individual stones laying in destruction. All right, um, we're good by ourselves. What is our what is our unity together, right? And so. Um, we, we stare at that and we have, I feel like they have the word of the Lord of like, do not despise the days of small beginnings. Unity is coming. 
right? The power of moving forward together is coming. As you row together and you move together and you move together and we do it together, it is coming. We cannot despise these small days, right? And, and as we have living stones working together, as we, we try to gain this corporate identity to move forward, we can't be frustrated with the small things, right? But then what I love about this is men will rejoice when they see the plumb line in the hand of his rubber bowl. So a plumb line is like a level, a construction working level, like a little bubble in the side, right? Uh, levels are really good with doing flat things. A plumb line is actually really simple, just a string with like a little weight on it like this behind me. And it measures building up. It, it levels up and down, okay? And Zerubbabel, with a pile of rocks and bricks in front of him, picks up the plumb line, and then whole nation just erupts and just like, yes, let's go, let's do it, let's do it. And again, this doesn't make sense. There's people taunting them. They have sin problems. They, 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 like, actually, so go back a little bit here. Um, what happened was so they went for three years. They had a, a stop. Like the, 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 excuse me, the uh, Samaritans nearby told King Cyrus, hey, these guys aren't good people. So they put a stop order on that, okay? Add to that as well too. Let's jump to the book of Esther, okay? So the book of Esther happens at the, um, right after that stop. And almost a full-blown genocide happens of the Jewish race. Like they, they were about to wipe out all of them, okay? Esther shows up. Queen Esther rescues them and says, don't do it, right? And then Zechariah shows up, not by might, right? Not by power, by my spirit, says the Lord, right? Do not despise the days of small beginnings. Pick up the plumb line, right? I, that's a, I can't imagine staring at all those bricks together, but I feel like, as, as we come together, with, we're, we are alive with Christ inside of us. What does it look like if we step forward together? You know, uh, there's a verse, um, I believe it's chapter two. It says, come out of, uh, come out of Babylon, right? Uh, Babylon is mentioned in, in is the, the culture, and some people believe that the actual uh, uh, kingdom of Babylon will come back again. It's in Revelation verse 18. And um, it's, it's scattered. It's all over the place. It's trying to destroy God's people. And, and, and God is saying, come out of Babylon, right? And build yourself a place, like grab the plumb line, uh, pick it up and just do whatever. And, I, and what I'm saying is, I don't know what that looks like for you. And what I want to do is invite you into the, the plumb line to pick it up. There may be one of you in here, maybe two of you in here. Um, actually, Lance, if you want to, uh, can, you, can, you, can you play? Um, I want us to start thinking about the direction we're going as a church. Unity together, moving forward together. Um, Again, it's so easy to have sand crab Christianity where we, we, you know, we come out of our our hole for a minute and we go back in. We come out of our hole for a minute and come back in, right? Um, Jesus is the temple, it's, it's, it's the real estate of God, Jesus, right? The real estate of God is inside of us, but it's also the church. Uh, I, I've, I've had friends tell me, like, hey, I don't need to go to church. I'm good. I can just watch stuff on TV and, and then do it at home. And I feel like they're missing a third of the presence of God in their lives. 
And that might be us, that might be you, I don't know. But we've got to move forward, right? And I believe right now the Lord is gonna just speak to you guys, one of you, two of you, to pick up the plumb line. Wherever it looks, wherever, whatever it looks like. Like, and if you have no idea what it means, I had no idea what it means when the Lord gave me Psalm 132. I was like, great, build a place for God. I don't know, I, I still have a fraction of what that looks like, but I'm getting hungrier for it. I'm picking up the plumb line. I was like, I don't even know how to use, I, I'm terrible at building stuff. I am, but I believe God's behind it. I don't want to despise the days of small beginnings. I trust there's a fire around us, right? Protecting our home, protecting our, our church, protecting our people, right? As you want to go into the Nehemiah stuff, you know, we, we, we're, we're building a place for God to dwell. And if a breach happens, we all move, right? Together as one, right? Another breach happens, we move together, we're together as one. You say, I don't know how to build something, but I can pick this rock up. Good. Do it. Here's a plumb line. <laughs> Just don't topple over. Right? So, the other day I had a dream. I had two dreams, actually, back to back. First one, if you read the book of Zechariah, was, and I don't get dreams like this. My dreams are really weird. Usually, maybe you're all like me. They're just, they're hard to make sense. This one was very clear. It was the lampstand that is in the temple. It's, just, it's just the menorah, uh, right, from, from the Jewish, right, menorah, is that what it's called? Yeah, we have the seven um, lamps connected to one lampstand, and from it, which is oil, just gushing out over it. That's one of the things about Zechariah 4 is that unending oil, limitless oil of God, the anointing of God, just of letting the, the lamp stand. I'm like, okay, I'm still chew, I'm like trying to chew through this. Like, okay, cool. The next night, I had another dream, and it was literally just me standing before the Ark of the Covenant. Again, I don't have dreams like this. I pray for him. I'm like, God, give me a dream just with Jesus in it. I'm like, I just want something with Jesus in it, and I don't get these. And I was standing before the Ark of the Covenant, and I and it was, a, it was a seed. It wasn't as profound as I would want it to be. I, want, I, wanted, to be, I, wanted, to, I wanted to be like shaking when I got up and be like, oh gosh, this is it, you know? And, you know, I put a fail over my face, but this, all it was with the Lord, he, he said very clearly, he was, I'm here and I'm coming. That's, that's, that's pretty, <laughs> pretty profound. With a presence, and I feel like it was for us here. He's in our presence. What are we gonna do with it as a, as a unified body of Christ? What are we gonna do? His presence is here and he's coming. How do we prepare for that? How do we move together as one? We've gotta do it together. I, I, I just, I mean, we, we have to, or, or we're just doing a Sunday school here, right? But I want to move together with you guys. God, Jesus, put this team together. Think about that. Jesus put this team together. We've got to pick up the plumb line. All right, so let's just close your eyes real quick. I want you to ask the Lord, am I supposed to pick up the plumb line? Will I find you a place Will I find you a dwelling? 
you can steal my vision, guys. It's not just mine. You can steal that if you want. Lord, do you want me to pick up the plumb line? If you're wanting to build some real estate for the Lord, for his presence to show up, it's here. It's here. If that, if, I'll be giddy if it's one person, honestly. If that was you, if you can raise your hand. Jesus, we thank you. We thank you. We thank you. We will build this house. We'll build you a place for your presence. We are Fire Life Church because you said so. This is your team. This is your team. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, guys. Uh, let's just do this real quick here. If y'all can just pray for the person next to you real quick. And just, I want you to pray. Um, unity. How about even incredible supernatural community? I think about it. Like, I'm just like the community that the way the Lord designed it, right? And that's where the, the Lord's going to, we'll just take that step forward. All right. If y'all can pray for the person next to you real quick, you're just unity over them. Unity in the body of Christ. Unity amongst ourselves in here. And if you rose your hand for the, to pick up the plumb line, pray that over that people next to you. Pray that, just release the, release the, the heart to build this place together. I pray that we will become a house of revival and we will not despise the days of small beginnings. I pray that we are a house of prayer and we will not despise the days of small beginnings. I pray that we are a house of transformation and we will not despise the days of small beginnings. 